Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. something kind of interesting when I was editing my last video and maybe I'll just read it first and then talk a bit about it and the first bit of it isn't really as interesting to me as the last bit but here I go by remotioning as the ego it destroys the brain by non-movement by the universe kind of like bed sores when a person is bedridden and unable to move physically we are blinded by our emotions. So much of the same emotion causes re-emotion in the brain. The same motions over and over again. And we're not receptive to the movement of the universe, which is always new, since the receptors of emotions are hijacked. And we're overproducing receptors of the same old emotions all the time, instead of having access to the wide spectrum of emotions and experiences and I was thinking about the epigenetics of perception and how if we were perceiving holistically with the universe and being repatterned by the universe as we unfold with direct perception we'd always be creating new molecules of emotions we'd be creating different kaleidoscopes and variations all the time not the same ones by re emoting and re-motion in the brain. So when I was thinking about the epigenetics of perception and how perception is required for epigenetics because there has to be some kind of signal on the outside of the cell for that to be happening on the inside of the cell. When we perceive something we make a new molecule. I feel that if we were to perceive in the kaleidoscopic fashion we would always be making new molecules. And I think the new molecules would also have to come from creating new genes. So not just epigenetics, but I remember in Bruce Lipton's talk, The Biology of Belief, he talks about what he called genetic engineering genes. And these are genes that actually write new genes. And he gave the example of a certain type of bacteria that was put in a certain type of medium or solution that it had no genetics for fixing that problem because it was a toxic thing to the bacteria. Certain vials of the bacteria, they actually started producing a product, a molecule that would help them deal with this toxin. They were able to process the toxin when they had no genetics to process the toxin. So the environment creates the pressure to actually create the gene for the survival of the organism. So I think some of this map consciousness could actually be that perception, that environment. It's a completely different environment. It's a completely different perception. And that perception is changing our genetics epigenetically 
but also likely through this genetic engineering gene process, which isn't widely talked about. And this makes sense in a way because we need to make new molecules based on our perception. So if we're having new perceptions, we're going to be creating new molecules. And where do those molecules come from? Well, they could come from recombinant DNA and epigenetic expression, but there's a chance that it could also create new genes. And I feel like the selective pressure to create new genes would be if it was such a rich and diverse and varied and kaleidoscopic environment that we're perceiving. So if we're perceiving the actual now, it's going to be rich and diverse and it's going to create a selective pressure for us to actually create a whole kaleidoscope of different molecules as opposed to the ones that we've been habituated to creating within ourselves. And I think a lot of it could be epigenetics and that's why there's such a huge shift in map consciousness so immediately because it just turns on epigenetics and we're just creating different molecules and we're experiencing different things physiologically right away. Like it doesn't take time. And that's why this other state of consciousness can't be made into a goal because it's always now, it's always changing. If we create it as a goal, we're thinking, I know what that is. I know what that looks like. I know how that felt before when that state is actually always changing. It's something that's always arising differently and we can't actually grasp it. As soon as we grasp it, we're actually activating memory reflex and that's no longer the present moment. And I think that's what the term surrender encompasses in a way. So I wrote down that enough of this kind of perception changes the genetics in a heritable way. So if it's temporary, it, it creates that temporary state within us epigenetically. If it's more permanent, then perhaps that's when the genetic engineering genes kick in and actually rewrite all the DNA in our body in a slightly different way and add in those genes. And then my brain totally extrapolated to the phenomena of autism. I feel like the overemphasis on the prefrontal cortex and rationality and ego and me has created the environment within and it's mirrored without in society. The whole society is designed around that, which is the selective pressure to not just epigenetically deactivate the prefrontal cortex, which is what happens a lot in mania and manic consciousness and other phenomena people experience. But since it's so prevalent and, and so dangerous to Gaia, I feel that that re-motion of the ego and those words in our own voice, in our own head, is the epigenetics, is what we're perceiving that actually turned on genetic engineering genes to turn off the genes that require these children to acquire language. And it's sad to notice that right when it's the time for these children to sort of turn on the process of acquiring language, they all of a sudden become immune to learning it. And they might have acquired some language and then all of a sudden 
when it's really supposed to boot up, it doesn't boot up. And I think that those genetic changes were heritable from the collective over time being way too egocentric. And it's gotten to the point in, in how the world is going that we can't be using language in this way against ourselves and against each other and as thinking that it is ourself so it's really a war of words and and these new children are being born without having that same capacity to war over words and to turn themselves into words they can still continue to learn and play and one thing I realized too was a child that is on that spectrum of consciousness called autism requires even more love and even more unconditional love and that's very challenging to egocentric ego conscious people and people that think oh my child should have been this and should have been that and are probably judging the child and, and not thinking that this child has different capacities for learning and that we actually have to adapt in order to allow them to flower because they're not going to flower in our egocentric society. We need to be intelligent in how we support them and approach them and and they can read right through us even though they have no language. They can read if we're in a bad mood or experiencing bad thoughts, which we normally are, and then they have a so-called tantrum and we think it's their problem they can read us and so they're almost part of the barometer of are we going to allow these children to flourish by actually reevaluating ourselves and how we created them to be that way so this thought dopamine reflex this pleasure seeking has turned off the genetics in perhaps a genetic engineering gene way to this next generation because we can't have another generation of purely egocentric pleasure seekers. They need a different environment for learning, not sitting in a chair listening to words. And in the same way, map consciousness is changing DNA and changing our physiology to a less egocentric way of being. And then we're deemed non-functional. It's a different way of functioning. And I also thought that it's possible that the ego develops because in school, at the age of six or seven, we're starting to be programmed into memorizing. And that is learning is memorizing, supposedly. And so when we take learning and memory to be intelligence, when we're rewarded based on what we can remember, then in a way it makes sense that the ego would be created as a mirror of that. So internally, we're always remembering past thoughts and experiences, and we mistake that again as intelligence and as learning, because we were just taught that that's how to learn. So it could be just a mirror of the conditioning of school and it's probably there's a lot more to it than that but I just thought it was interesting that parallel
And we also think learning is repetition. So the ego is repeating itself as well. And a lot of people hear voices, other voices than their own. And I think the ego is still an other voice. It's still the voice. People often say the voices. Well, this is the voice. And it's even more deceptive because it's in our own voice. But those all came from somebody else. We didn't actually think up any of that stuff ourselves. We just memorized it and recorded it. Maybe because we're put into memorizing and recording mode when we're in school. And so we start taking that on in our daily life. We think we need that kind of knowledge, psychological knowledge, in order to operate. And so the point of my videos for myself, talking to myself, is not just re-contextualizing, but also awakening this process of intelligence. And I feel like I was first awakened to it in map consciousness, but it was like an explosion and it was difficult to channel that energy. So part of me talking to myself is finding an outlet to channel that energy. Before I would just write and write and write and I was thinking, oh, I could write a book or something, but that's too much of a delay. That's again, this accumulation thing and I'm, I'm doing a little bit better with just writing something and then maybe the next day making a video of it instead of this big accumulation. And I was thinking about how I was talking in the last video about how map consciousness is like a recalibration, being calibrated back to the full spectrum of consciousness of the universe. And, and it seems to me that we are habituated and calibrated to our ego. And I also feel like the re-motion of thinking, of the ego thinking process of thought is what distorts the brain. It creates scar tissue by overactivation of that certain area. And I was thinking of manic consciousness or trans consciousness as the intelligence of gestures, of kind gestures in the moment. Because what else can one really do in the moment? And hopefully this is a gesture of kindness to myself by making these videos and unfolding meaning. And maybe it activates the mirror neurons of the common brain and oxytocin as well as epigenetic changes. I think oxytocin causes a lot of the epigenetic changes and there's probably a lot more too. The words I'm using, if they're slightly scientific, is just to sort of represent that there is some kind of molecule or molecules that is released when we are relational, when we are in that empathetic consciousness and trans-consciousness. Just like if a person witnesses a kind act, I read that there's a study that that person is more likely to act kind for four hours. So that's more powerful than reading a chapter of a book, for example. And it's a different reward system that's not really about reward at all because reward is something that implies future. I do this and I'll get a future reward, whereas this process is actually, it can only happen if someone's in the present moment. It's the mind that has the concept of reward. Is it reward or is it just learning? Is it just how we're designed to actually be? I think back to Dr. Daniel Siegel's comment about the mind uses the brain to create itself. And I think 
the oxytocin circuits are more powerful in creating the mind as in the collective mind, the collective vision that we all want. Right now, the brain is being used by thought in our own voice to recreate itself, to recreate the world of thought, which is all this division and conflict. And I was talking about gestures as endo-memes in a way, like a gesture can be produced by an endo-meme, which is a perception that creates a meme and a gesture at the same time. And the more we do this through embodied mania, through harvest practice and body in the moment, the less we'll have to be epi-gestured by the universe, which that epi-gesture by the universe in map consciousness, at least the first time, feels like we're kind of just riding the wave and we have no control, we just have to ride the wave straight. And I feel like once we practice more through endo memes and creating those neural circuits, not only can we ride the wave, but we can be creative in how we weave down the wave as it, as it crests. We can be creative in the way we ride the wave down. We can be have fun with it. We can do a lot of other things, not just ride the wave as it would have us ride it if we don't know how to, if we don't know how to have fun with it. And so I feel like autism is a Gaiac phenomenon. It's Gaia responding to our dopamine dominant thought culture. And it's trying to produce a different line of intelligence. The trouble is when different lines of intelligence try to spring up, most of the time the thought structures of professionals come in and squash it. So perhaps since it's sort of failed by producing it after, say, one finishes high school or early in university, that's a lot of, that's often when a person goes through this transformation to be like, don't become a professional, follow your heart, but a person gets squashed into the medical paradigm. So now Gaia is trying to do the same thing but with kids and change their consciousness before we even have a chance to program them. But how will we respond again? We'll probably totally screw up these poor children who are meant to actually be allowed to flower in a different way by not having those language circuits in the same way, they probably have other circuits, but we just don't have the circuits in external reality, the, the objects, the space, the whatever in external reality for them to flower in that way. Because we've created a society based on our thinking process and our perceiving and our way of, of experiencing and being things and the very narrow band that we say is allowable for a person to be. We can't just direct their consciousness to the narrow band of the prefrontal cortex. They so-called tantrum because our reality as it's designed is poison to them. It's just noise. And we've allowed this noise to shape our brains, but it's gotten to the point where it's too noisy and, and making sense out of the noise for these young children is, is very difficult likely because there's too much of it. And I feel too that they won't be hearing their own voice talking in their head. And they won't be learning based on memory. So in that way, they won't have the same sort of ego voice turned in against themselves. 
And so this is like emergency measures for consciousness attempting to save itself from thought and language viruses. And they have a more clear mind screen because they don't have these inner words and images polluting their mind screen. And so they're very much more sensitive to patterns and they can read us so easily just like a baby like they're born they can read if we're smiling at them or whatever and that's a baby so these children actually maintain that sensitivity and whereas a lot of children when they learn language they can be reasoned with and shown rationality and things so you can actually like pretend that you're happy when you're maybe angry and the kid will buy into it they're more gullible because of that. And I also came up with a funny word transformation. Dopamine goes to dopamineless. And maybe that's why I have trouble working in the mental illness paradigm is because all the gestures within the paradigm are about mental illness or trying to fix someone about mental illness and all the intentions. And to me, that's not the root. So it's it's troublesome. And so I see that and I and I definitely struggle with it. And then if I'm working within that and experiencing those types of gestures towards myself and others, it could make me seem unwell and then almost justify to myself that I'm having some kind of mental health problem. I was thinking about learning and how when one is learning all the time without accumulating, one doesn't have time to consider right and wrong because right and wrong is the judgment of the ego mind the learning is self-evident and then dropped and it's a continuous process always unfolding and one doesn't have time to pick out one variable and then study it that means with learning something anew every moment all the variables conspire to inspire something new on the mind screen with every breath and all the variables present a pattern on the mind screen that then will allow us to create vocalization about it in linear terms. So we can create the linear, we can bring it into the linear realm, but right now we're imprisoned by the linear realm of our own voice. And I think the logic of the heart is epilogic and epirationality. Empathy and map consciousness are extrapolating beyond one's personal ego. So there's a lot more information. There's a lot more richness. And overreacting can be reinterpreted as seeing so much more information implied in one event. And I talked before about how thinking about things and then science often is an accumulation of inaction by say studying one variable for 10 years when one could have been out and learning with infinite variables as each moment unfolds in infinity. And so this collective accumulation of inaction requires the science and the professionals because of the inaction. Because we're not just seeing and doing. So dopamine keeps us in control, supposed control by constantly reacting to the same old images. And it keeps us in control of our emotions because we actually have an infinite spectrum of which we can experience. But actually, since we're only allowed to experience a certain small spectrum, this sort of dopamine reward circuit is almost like if you behave in this perfect way, this linear way of society, 
these ethics and morals that we've decided, then you will get the rewards, you will get the job, you will get whatever. But we're not experiencing the richness of what it is to be human beings. So even if we do so-called succeed in society, we're largely unfulfilled because we've been tricked into believing that conformity is happiness. So we can change the content slightly in our mind screen and this just gives us enough variation to have a little bit of meaning in the day to get through the day. And I do think that science is in action. It's like saying, oh, in 10 years we'll have enough evidence to take action and by then it'll be too late for so many people. I think it's actually contrived. It's sort of like, okay, here's the best evidence-based practice and it's not really that great. And in the meanwhile, it's like we're creating the next level of evidence-based practice just to make it ever so slightly better for people to make it seem like we're actually making a difference to justify this kind of paradigm. And I was thinking that information overload is sort of like not having the context to take action. And right now I'm sort of in inaction talking to myself face, but I'm actually planning some action and planning for that action. and. With this process that I have right now of just self-dialogue with my phone, I don't really need that much but a phone and high-speed internet. There's a different ethics in mania and manic consciousness and trans consciousness directed by oxytocin and we and togetherness. And those create different gestures and different actions. Perhaps the gesture of our ego dopamine reflex and the resulting actions that creates, that isolates us, is also creating children isolated in their own world and having difficulty relating to this meaningless world we've created. It'd be something if we created some kind of meaningful world. It might be sad to think that these children are missing out and not being able to participate in it, but it's mostly a load of crap. I also thought of mania as infinite inconsistency. It's important to be inconsistent and keep the degrees of freedom going. I think we're afraid of the unknown. So our ego keeps us feeling like we're in this realm of, of the known, things we know, things that are comfortable. And even if there's something that's uncomfortable, we block it out with the ego that rationalizes it away. So when map consciousness comes in or we don't have this ego voice lulling us to sleep, we experience the unknown. And since it's unfamiliar and it's unknown, it's it's interpreted as scary. So it could be this unknown realm could be say, a hundred thousand different variations of rich experience. But since we don't recognize them, we get, we get afraid and we interpret it as scary even though it might not even be something that is scary. So we have a fear of the unknown. So when we're afraid, we can start to project reasons why we should be afraid. And it's almost like, well, we've gone out outside of our comfort zone of our own ego thought structure, and there's something coming in that might change the way we think or change the way we perceive or something. And that's pretty terrifying because we want to be comfortable with the way we see. So it's actually trying to just change our eyes. It's trying to get us to realize the real lies and part of the reason we don't recognize when we're in that unknown realm is because the recognizer is absent. The recognizer is the recognition. It's re 
cognition of past thoughts and when we're not recognizing then we're in the unknown and we can be interpreting that as a as a fearful thing so I wonder if we can look from a space beyond recognition look for the new like if we're looking at somebody we already know can we look for different distinguishing features and maybe at first we do that consciously like what can I find differently and maybe eventually by looking for differences instead of the same old thing that we're talking about in our own voice in our own head we might start to see things differently and that could be seen as dangerous because then we might have to change if we start seeing things differently I feel like map consciousness is the gesture of consciousness of the universe to reconnect us with the motion of the universe the unfoldment of the universe and this is infinite learning and learning is I think the same as compassion it's not judging and we can't be judging because if we're judging we're not learning we need to remove the re motion mechanism in order to be moved by the universe and I was talking about the rudder it's like we have a dopamine rudder our rudder our ego consciousness compass is just dopamine at the apex of it all which is related to our own voice we're hypnotized by our own voice and our nervous system is only to tuned in to our ego and its arising desires and consciousness so it's hijacked consciousness and written over that space of consciousness to give endomimetics and gestures and that's why map consciousness comes in to wipe that out sort of squash it like a fly on the wall and then recalibrate us and our nervous system has been desensitized by the sound of our own voice we can't hear the universe and it's hearing the universe isn't about actually listening like this it's it's seeing with our heart and that produces a different very subtle sound inside so our nervous system has been desensitized by overemphasis on the me thank you for listening to bipolar inquiry if you're enjoying the show please feel free to rate subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts remember use your voice craft your consciousness embody your potential enter a quantum paradigm the bipolar inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease information in this show is not medical advice thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode